Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Well, you know, in January this year, I felt this, I just want to share a little bit of my heart around this theme, grace and truth. And um, in January this year, God said to me, I felt really strongly that he wants generations and generations and generations of women who are full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And I guess I was seeing what was happening around me and hearing different friends and conversation and seeing what was on hap- happening on the feed, on social media, seeing what was happening in politics and seeing all sorts of things. And I just felt this strong, strong sense of, a generation or multiple generations of women from the youngest to the oldest who are filled with both grace and truth. And so I started to think about this and I started to get a real burden for this, I guess because I'm seeing, if I can say it, political correctness take truth out of the picture. And so I felt like this welling up inside me, no, The church is called to be full of grace and truth, full of both grace and truth. And a few weeks later, (laughs) I was was talking to one of my girlfriends who was telling me about something that my son Judah had done in the playground. So her child came home and told her about what my son Judah had done in the playground. Now, Judah is an angel. Honestly, anyone who knows him tells me all the time he is the sweetest, softest, kid like he actually is I can actually see people nodding because he is that kid he's a sweetheart all right but he's this year he turned eight and I don't know if any of you have ever dealt with an eight-year-old boy all right we've got teachers here who are going yes so there's something interesting that happens with boys when they kind of I don't know they just go through these funny stages and so he was starting to do things that were a little bit out of character so out of character. And so I started to pray about it because I always, I'm like, God, give me some strategy about how to address this so I'm not just like, you know, coming down hard, but so that I can connect with his heart and take him on the journey and so that he actually learns and he wants to be inspired to change. And so anyway, this one night after a few weeks of just thinking about it, thinking about how I was going to bring it up with him and talk to him about it, we were sitting at the dinner table and um, Sam was away And so it was me and the four kids, and I said, listen, guys, I just want to talk about something. And I addressed Judah, and I said, Judah, I need to apologize to you. And who knows, when a parent apologizes, the kids are like, what? (laughs) Judah, I just need to apologize because I've realized that I haven't kept up with how quickly you're growing up. And I realized that I'm letting you get away with things that a five-year-old boy might get away with. And you're actually becoming a man of God. And I started to talk to him about what a man of God does and doesn't do. And I started to talk to him about the standard of what a godly man behaves like. And I started to say to him, you know, you're going to see some of your friends who, as you get older, want to sit at home playing computer games all hours of the night. But a godly man doesn't do that. You're going to have friends who put themselves first but a godly man doesn't do that. You're going to have friends and they're going to be doing all sorts of things that a godly man does not do. 
And I just want you to know that because you're becoming a godly man and you're not a small boy anymore, I'm going to hold you to a higher standard. You should have seen him, literally. He sat up so straight and he squared his shoulders and he just received correction and he received it because it was done with grace and truth. It wasn't enabling bad behavior, right? It wasn't harsh without grace. It was something that caused him to square his shoulders. And as I experienced that with him, God reminded me of the word of the grace and truth, that he's calling us to be full of grace and truth. And I had this image of a church squaring its shoulders. I had this image of a generation squaring their shoulders, not afraid of the standard, because it's done in love, because it's done in a connection of the heart. And so then I, I went to scripture, and as I've been meditating all year since January for this night, I tell you, I've got about a thousand thoughts around this theme, and I've got only a small amount of time to deliver it to you tonight. But the anchor scripture for tonight is out of John, out of the first chapter of John. And he's writing about Jesus, and he's writing about God, and how it says the word, which is God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So beautiful. We have seen his glory. Have you seen his glory? We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace, which was already given. For the law, truth, truth alone, was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who, he, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father and has made him known to us. And so if I can just explain that passage of Scripture before we get into it, we see that we have the law. In the Old Testament, who's heard of the Ten Commandments? We're given a bunch of truth. We're given a bunch of rules. We're given a bunch of law alone. And truth alone is a heavy pill to swallow. Truth alone is almost impossible to live up to. And so we're given truth through Moses, but then Jesus comes on the scene and comes with grace and truth. And in doing that, he reveals the Father to us. For the first time, we see God. And then the scripture says that when you marry grace and truth together, you experience glory. When you marry grace and truth together, you experience glory. And I don't know where you are in your life right now, whether you're walking with Jesus or not, but I want to remind us all that we're designed to experience glory. We're designed to encounter glory and maybe your life is not looking very glorious right now. I want to call you to a greater standard. You are called to witness glory in your life. You are called to witness glory in your everyday life. And it says here that grace and truth coming together is what gives us that encounter. It's what gives us that reality when we experience grace and truth through Jesus, because grace without truth is actually powerless and futile. 
If we just hand out grace, which is what I'm seeing in culture, we're just handing out grace everywhere and there's no truth, it's completely powerless. It's completely pointless. We don't even need grace if there's no truth. We don't even need it. If there's no truth, we don't need it. And then on the flip side, if we only have great, if we only have truth without grace, it's so heavy and it's so harsh and it's so impossible. But together, together we come into this place where we're in our design, where we're actually living up to what God wants us to be in our generation, in our families, in our communities. In Romans 2, it says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. The goodness, the grace that leads us to repentance, truth. Why do you repent if you don't know what the truth is, right? But it's the goodness of God, grace, that leads us to repentance, truth. And so together our lives come into who we're meant to be. When those things marry, when those things are both focus, we come into who we're supposed to be and who God intends us to be. Grace and truth together bring us into a place of glory. And so then I was thinking about this concept of truth, this concept that I feel like our generation is starved for truth because there's no truth at the moment. Everything's relative truth. People are saying, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. That's not true. There's only one truth. There is only one truth. And there's an amazing, um, there's amazing uh, personality in the States at the moment. Her name is Candace Owen. And she makes this statement that she's in the pursuit of truth and not good. The pursuit not of good, of truth. She says, because if you pursue good, good can take you in all sorts of directions because we only want to do what feels good at the time. Good is not our anchor. Good is not what we're pursuing. She says, I want to pursue truth because truth always leads to good. Truth leads there. Good doesn't always lead to truth and good doesn't always come out of truth. And so she's saying, I want to pursue truth and not good. So what is truth and where is it found? It's found here. It's found in Scripture. This Bible has everything in it for your whole life. How to do your marriage. How to do friendships. How to have a great work ethic. How to, fi- how to manage your finances. Hello? How to be fit and healthy and sleeping properly. It's actually in here. God's really smart. And he knows us really, really well. And he put everything we need to know in here. And all of us are asking questions like as if we don't know our answers are already here. This is the measure. This is the standard. This is the truth. Everything we need to know for life is found in here. Kingdom principles. And the reason he put them here is because he loves us and he knows us. He knows us better than anyone. He created us and he deeply, deeply loves every single one of us. And because of that, he said, let me help you out. If you live according to the keys I've written in scripture, he's saying to us, 
you're going to win at life. There's no other option but winning when we live by the standard. He wrote it so that we would prosper. He wrote it so that we would be blessed. He wrote it so we'd be healthy and whole and flourishing. He wrote it so we would be all those things so that the world would look and go, oh, they've got it together. They've got it together. It's all found in here. This is the scripture. This is the truth. This is the standard. And it is the final authority. There's no other authority outside of scripture. If you give anything else authority, you're going to fall short and you're going to break. It's the final authority. In Psalm 19 verse, 119 verse 89, it says, forever your word is settled. Isaiah 40 says the grass might wither, the flowers may fade, but the word of God stands forever. Life comes and goes, situations come and go, but the word of God stands forever. And no word, no letter of the word of God fails. And it will not pass away. I sometimes hear people say, you know, I, I struggle with the Bible because I don't understand it. And that's, that's fair enough. There are some really confusing parts in the Bible. That's why we do discipleship. That's why we get around each other and ask questions. That's why we don't do life alone, okay? Except I have this suspicion, right, that it's not the parts of the Bible we don't understand that we have trouble with. There's a lot in Scripture that's really, really clear. Really, really clear. And so I wonder, I wonder whether the heart of God is just going, hey, come back to truth because it's, it's your destiny. It's your design. It's where blessing is. It's where favor is. It's where your future is. It's what you're designed to do. Truth is the truth. Just like not believing in God doesn't cease him from existing, truth doesn't stop being the truth just because it makes us uncomfortable. It's still the truth. And the truth has a power about it to bring us into the fullness of who God wants us to be. And so I've been thinking about this truth over good Truth is greater than good. And then, if I can be totally honest with you, just recently, I was listening to this amazing entrepreneur. Her name's um, Liz Bohannon. And she was talking about this idea that what I got out of what she was saying was, for years, what I've been diagnosing as insecurity in my own life was actually ego. I'm just so insecure, I just don't know if I can do that. And I realize, actually, just this week, I realize most of the times I'm feeling insecure, I actually just have an overactive ego going on. Carolina, no one's actually thinking about you that much. (laughs) Sorry, just me? Just me, right? Carolina, no one is waiting on your next move, okay? No one's sitting at home going, oh, I wonder what she's gonna do tomorrow just so I can criticize it. No one's doing that. Get over yourself and just get on with the job. And so I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, you know what? The truth is very offensive. Right? Anyone else? 
Anyone else had a dose of truth and hated it? But we need to exalt truth over ego because it's good for us. We need to exalt truth over ego. And truth has the power. And in that moment, I was both offended and empowered all at the same time. Because as long as I'm a victim and I'm insecure, I'm debilitated. But the moment I realize I've got an ego problem, just kick myself in the backside and get on with the job. Truth has this way of offending and empowering all at the same time. And so we need to lean into it. In Ephesians 4, it says that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, hello, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but in speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, who is Christ. That we shouldn't be tossed to and fro by our emotion, by cunning, crafty words, doctrine, all the cool things that are going on in culture, all the, you know, the, the pop notions and all the different things that are, that are blowing us around. We need to grow up and we need to speak the truth in love so that we can grow up. And we grow up into the fullness of Christ, the anchor, the rock, the one who is strong and firm and secure, the one who's the only one we build our lives on. We need to hunger for truth rather than the validation of our feelings and emotions. Too many of us want someone to stroke our emotion and validate us, but we need to pursue truth. We need to pursue truth, not validation not the gratification of our emotions, which are the ones that are taking us to and fro and blowing us around. Imagine, imagine generations of women who were not blown to and fro by their fears and worries and anxieties and emotions. Imagine what the world would look like if there were generations of women who grew up in truth, who anchored themselves in truth, in truth, who pursued truth over ego. One of my greatest, greatest privileges being a pastor, actually just being a Christian because we're all called to disciple others. One of my greatest privileges in being a follower of Jesus is being a part of people rewriting their story, is being a part of seeing seeing others come into this, this space of grace and truth. So many of the people I call dear friends now have literally come in from the world and experienced grace and truth. I've seen people come out of promiscuity and set up new boundaries around their lives and say to me, I'm so proud because now the story I get to tell is so different to the story I lived before I met Christ. I've seen single mothers stand up in stature and strengthen themselves and, and raise amazing children because they came into discipleship relationships where they heard the truth 
where they heard the truth and they stood on that truth. I've seen them prosper, single mums. I've seen families raise their children on the Word of God and raise absolute giants, not kids that are going every other direction, but giants firm and secure. I've seen people stand on financial principles in the Word of God and overturn debt and overturn poverty and overturn generational poverty and overturn all sorts of things as they stand on the truth, as they exalt truth over ego. It's one of the greatest privileges of my life to see people do that, to see people lean into that and see that transformation. I really believe that God was saying to me at the beginning of the year, just imagine it, Carolina. Can you imagine it? The most amazing thing is that truth equals freedom. John 8.32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Many of us think that God is like waiting in heaven with a stick and he's got all this truth and every time we mess up, he just wants to like. That's, that's not who he is. Actually, there are counterfeits to truth like control, manipulation, condemnation. But truth leads to freedom. Truth has this ability to set us free free. It has this ability to set us free when we're honest and real and vulnerable with the Spirit of God. I once heard it said that there's a big, big difference between conviction and condemnation. Because condemnation is what the devil uses. And he makes it sound like truth. He's very clever and he's very crafty. And what condemnation does is he points a finger at a very real issue in your life And he keeps pointing that finger until you're so backed up in a corner and against a wall that you actually have nowhere to go. You feel so rotten and you're so in a corner. And so that's condemnation and that's not God. But conviction comes into an area of your life and highlights something with truth and that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is touching an area of your life saying, hey, and he doesn't back you into a corner. He reaches out a hand. And he says, let's do this together. Let's do this together. There's a big difference. So if you're ever feeling like you have no way out, you're probably leaning into the wrong, the counterfeit. Lean into that conviction that says, I've got more for you and I can do this with you. And so tonight, tonight I really believe that this is a night of encountering glory for many of us. This is a night of stepping into greater measures of what He has for us. This is a night of freedom. I know that there are many in the room, you've never been in a setting like this before. I want you to know that He knows you and He sees you. I don't know your story, but He does. There are others in this room and you've grown up in church maybe, you've been in church so many times. I wonder what he's got for you. What is that area of your life that you need to open up to grace and truth? I'd love for you to stand to your feet. We all know what it is. 
Every single one of us know what it is. That area, that thing. How do I know? Because I'm, I'm the same as you. We're all the same. What is that area in your life that he's speaking to you about right now? That area that he wants to bring blessing and he wants to bring freedom. And he's coming to you, maybe like I came to Judah, and he's saying, hey, it's not who you really are. Remember the standard's here and I believe in you. This is who you really are. And I'm on your side. I love you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.